And so look over to Deuteronomy chapter, this is the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. It's the re-giving of the law. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew behind you or in front of you, and you can look on. It's the fifth book of the Bible. You can count to five, I think. Amen. And just find Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy. Deuter means two. The Second giving of the law. By the way, you as a New Testament Christian, since Jesus used the book of Deuteronomy to fight the devil, the devil tempted him, took him up in a mountain, and he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, was afterwards a hunger, the Bible said, and the devil tempted him and says, command these stones to be made bread. And he said, and he quoted Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God in one portion of the Old Testament, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God in Matthew 4, 4. And so we, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy. And then he took him up in the high mountain and said, uh, I'll give you all this if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus quoted another verse of Scripture from Deuteronomy. And then the third temptation. Tempted three times. And all three times Jesus quoted Deuteronomy. Do you think we need it today? I believe that's a good example. We ought to be like Jesus. By the way, as soon as they got out of Egypt's bondage, you remember the ten terrible plagues, and as soon as they got out of Egypt's bondage, Amalek came along. Amalek's a type of the flesh. We'll get into that a little later. You found your place, Deuteronomy 32. Stand with me and honor the word of God, please. They did this in the days of Ezra when they gave the word, read the scriptures, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this morning, but uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, I maybe mentioned, maybe didn't, but Ezra had a, a real zeal for the house of God. He rebuilt the house of God. It had been torn down, burned up. And Nehemiah, what a great governor he was. And he had a real, real zeal for the house of God, for he built the walls of God. And both of those men, Ezra and Nehemiah, were men of separation. Biblical separation. That's what's missing in our churches across this country. We need to preach on biblical separation. It's just as needed as it's ever been. And we need to preach the whole counsel of God, all the word. Well, verse 46 and 47. This is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 46 and 47 as we read together. By the way, while we're getting there and finding our place, be, be sure to pray for the Boohorns. They're gone. And who else? My... Uh, the boo selects are gone with Nathan and and just uh, just a number of people are are not here. Who else? There's others too. Who? Yes, yeah, the Crossmans. That's what, the ones I was really thinking about. Pray for them and the loss of the grandfather. Please do that and pray for the Lightsies. They're taking care of the mob here, I guess. And so pray for the pray for the uh, pray for the uh, Crossmans that they'll be able to be a witness to the rest of the family and be a help to them in this time when their grandfather passed away. Please remember them and others. The McBaneys, they are back uh, in Florida during the holidays. They'll only be gone about another week or maybe less than a week, so pray for them. And now let's read these two verses, and then we'll preach a while, all right? Amen? I, I, think, you're doing, I, think, you're, I think you're doing what's right, sitting here listening to me, because God called me. You know, I'm not much of a preacher, but I'm a God-called preacher. I don't have all knowledge, but I, I have Christ and He's all knowledge. 
I don't have a lot of wisdom, but I have the Christ who is wisdom itself. And then I've got the book. Praise God, I've got the book. Remember one fellow preached one time, he said, I found the book. Boy, did he get excited. I found the book. That's what he preached on. You know where they found the Word of God? Right where they lost it, right in the temple. That's where they lost it. They lost it in the house of God. A lot of churches are losing it. You know why? They're using the wrong version. You ought to use an old King James version of the Bible. God's put a stamp of approval upon it for three to four hundred years, and we don't need these newfangled translations. I agree with old, what's his name up there in Halifax, Canada, Perry F. Rockwood. He said, anything true is not new, and anything new is not true. Praise God for the book. I don't want these new ones that read easy. I want something that reads difficult. Because God is a great, so much greater in intellect than I'll ever hope to be. Praise God for His greatness. Amen. By the way, it's written, I'm told, in sixth grade English, and some of them need to go back to school if they can't read it. Amen. All right, verse 46 and 47. We'll stop at whatever punctuation there is here. 46 and 47 of Deuteronomy 32. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. For it is the vain thing, because it is your life. And through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Did you notice that little phrase there? In the first verse, it says, 46, it says, to do all the words of this law. Command your children to observe them and set your hearts unto all the words. But then look at verse 47 with me. For it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. The commandments of God is our very life. And then it will even cause us to prolong our days. Don't you want to live a long time? I do. Let's bow for prayer. Father, bless us now. Bless thy eternal word, we pray, to the salvation of souls and to the edifying and building up of your children. We all need a blessing tonight. Have thine own way, we pray. In Jesus' all-powerful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is your life. Now, can you imagine talking to some lost person doesn't know one thing about the Bible, doesn't know one thing about God, or knows very little about God or the Bible, and you take them over to Deuteronomy, go there with me, I mean Exodus with me, verse chapter 20, and you start reading about like this. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Boy, people know they think God is jealousy. And the Bible says in one place his very name is in capital letters, jealous. I'm telling you, he's jealous over this preacher. He saved me and, he's, and I'm important to him. Now, he's more important to me than I am important to him. But I tell you, he, he saved me. Why, I must have been important. Why? He didn't have to save me. I was just a sinner like anyone else, but I was important enough to save. And I heard the word one day, and he saved me by his grace. Well, let's go on here. 
Thank God. You say, well, you, were you worshiping idols like the heathens? No, but I had my own idols. I kind of loved myself too much. I thought I was the best little Methodist on two feet, tell you the truth. I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't drink liquor. And I didn't run around with girls. And I didn't even say the halfway bad words. I didn't believe in cursing God or saying His name in vain. I thought I was the best little religious thing on two feet. God spoke to my heart under preaching and said, You're no good at all. You're a lost sinner. You're going to hell. Just like the perverts down on Skid Row hiding in, behind the railroad cars. You're, you're no good at all just because you think you're so good. And then when I agreed with God, He came and saved my soul. There's none good, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just have different sins. But sin will take you to the same destination, hellfire. That's where sin will take you. Sin and selfishness. The devil, what did he say? I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. And God says, you think you will, Lucifer, devil. He cast him out of heaven and a third of the angels went with him. You know, that's the problem when people leave the church, get all upset with God at the church. They always take someone with them. Always take someone with them. You say, do they always? Well, if they, don't, if they don't take them with them and they don't leave, they leave the bad spirit with the, with the church and you've got to put up with those other ones until they do leave. I'll tell you what, you're either helping people to love God more and serve the Bible or you're hindering them by your service for Christ. But we're all sinners. We all deserve to go to hell. But there's no hell for me. Praise God, Jesus bore my hell at Calvary. He bore my sins in His body on the tree. All right, let's get back to the reading here now. This is important business. You know why? It says we're supposed to obey all of this. All of this. And if you don't know it, how are you going to obey it? In fact, the whole book of Deuteronomy is talked about, or if we could say the whole five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is called the law. And we're to obey all the law of God. How in the world are you going to obey it if you don't know it? What did Brother Godfrey say? How many, how many people have read all the way through their Bible who even claim to be good Christians? About five, four, 4%. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? We better thank God we've got a lot better percentage in this church than that. We ought to thank God for it. But we have to keep encouraging ourselves and telling our people, read your Bible through, read your Bible through. Keep your family devotions up. Let's go on in the Scriptures here. Exodus 20 is where we are. Thou shalt not bow down to them thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. You know what this, this uh, showed me a long time ago is that there are people that hate God. There's not people that just neglect God. The Bible says, Neglect not so great salvation! How shall they escape if they neglect so great salvation? But there's some people that actually don't just neglect salvation. They hate God. There's people that hate God. Amen? These Muslims hate my God. They hate Jesus. They want, me to, they want to kill us all, these Muslims. That's why they drove those planes into those towers. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you read the, read the Quran like our fellows have. And, and Mohammed says, what you do is you just, you just, if they will not become a Muslim, if they will not become a, a Mohammedan and, and worship Allah, you just kill them where they are. Well, 
that's very nice of you, Mohammed. You wish you didn't say that right now in, 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 the, in your place in hellfire. Amen? He thinks that we all ought to be dead. We're all a bunch of Gentiles. We're infidels to them. You see what wrong teaching will do for you? I believe they're, they're serving a false god, but I don't think we ought to kill them. I think we ought to try to save them. Amen? Now, if we're at war with them, we might better do both. Amen? Okay. All right. Amen? Before they come and kill us! What do you do with a mad dog? You kill him! Before he bites someone else and gives them rabies. Anyhow, sad, isn't it? People are so hateful and they say they're serving the same God that I have. My God is love. The Bible says God is love. Allah is not love, thank you, friends. He's very hateful. Hateful if he wants to kill us all. Well, anyhow, you know what to keep people straight is the Ten Commandments. And then the law, it says right in the book, in the, in the law it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength and mind. And then it says you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. That's in the law. Do unto others you'd have do unto you. That's in the law. That's quoted. That's repeated in the New Testament. But that's in the Old Testament. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Teaches you what pleases God and what doesn't. There's people that hate God. Now go out and go on. And showing mercy unto thousands that love me. Thank God there's some people that love God. I always loved God, even before I knew Him. I thought I should love Him, and I, I tried to love Him, but I didn't know Him. And now when I got, to say, got saved, then I really came to know Him. And so it's so nice to love the Lord now. Now I know how to love Him because I know Him. How do you love someone you don't know? Did you know they say it's very difficult? It's very difficult to, to love something that doesn't have any intellect. Very difficult. I mean, no intellect at all. Very difficult. Because there's no response, you see. But I'll tell you, we, we, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And it says here, showing mercy unto thousands that love me and keep my commandments. Don't you want to keep the commandments of God? It says, what did it say over that verse over there? It says that it, Things will go well with you. That's what it said. Do all these words? What? Because it is your life. The Word of God is your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I'm telling you, this is my bread. This is my food. This is the first book I pick up in the morning. It's the last book I lay down at night. This is the book of God. This is the, the rule book. You, you just go ahead and keep uh, breaking all the rules and the great rule giver will take care of you one day. Say, I don't care if I steal from people or not. Well, we've got a jail waiting for you. And then God's got an eternal jail in hellfire for you, the prison of the damned. It's called hellfire, the lake of fire. And by the way, it says there in those last days, bind them hand and foot and hurl them into hell. Why should? And what does he say about the wheat and the tares? Bind the tares. I'm free, praise God. No binding of me. I got saved in 1959, and I've been saved over 40, about 42 years. I figured it up the other day. I was always saying 40 years. It's about 42, I think, now. I've been saved 42 years. I've been free for 42 years, but I was bound before that with my sins. 
But the sinner, those sins, that because you don't profess Christ, faith in Christ, you'll be bound hand and foot and hurl them into hell and you'll be bound forever. You'll be the firewood in the flames of hell. Say, well, I don't believe that. Well, I've got Bible for that. Everlasting burnings, the smoke of their torment, shall rise up forever and ever. You say, that's speaking about the demons and the devil. I know, and that's if you're in his family, that's where you're going. You got to get out of the devil's family, get into God's family. You say, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. You do it by faith in Jesus Christ. You repent of your sin and you put all your faith in Jesus instead of your own good works and you put it all in Christ's good work at Calvary and He saves you and makes you ready for heaven and you don't do a thing but believe on Him and He saves you. You just you just reach out and take the gift of eternal life. Thank God. But I'll tell you what brings you to Christ. It's this law I'm reading. Because without the law, you don't know what sin is. You don't know what offends God and what pleases God. So you have to do that. All right, look at verse 7. Oh, here's one. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Oh, oh. How many people that are sinners take God's name in vain and they say, oh, and they put Jesus' name in there or God's name in there. Strange they don't say they strange they don't say oh and, and, and bring the Holy Spirit in. Wouldn't even seem sensible, would it, to do that? You know what the you know what the unforgivable sin is? You know what it is? It's attributing, seeing it with your very eyes, attributing the work of God, a miracle, and say the devil did it. Instead of the Holy Spirit doing it, the devil did it. Now, I don't believe a saved person can commit that sin. I don't believe they can commit that unpardonable sin. But you need to be careful that you just get saved. Get in the family of God. If you're saved, you better thank God you're in His family. You better thank God you can't commit an unpardonable sin. Why? Because we went over this morning. You have eternal life. You don't have life until you sin. Hmm? We're not going to heaven because we're dressed so nice. Or not dress nice, it doesn't make any... No, the thing is, we're either saved inside and clean inside or we're dirty as the pit. You're either washed in His blood or you're filthy and sin if you dress in uh, six and thousand dollar dresses and thousand dollar suits that will not clean you up. You've got to get cleaned up on the inside. The man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God sees your heart. Those, those women and, and uh, girls mainly and some boys that were begging over there and had those big long things all the way up to the, the bridge, they weren't lost because they were in rags and old clothes that were given to them from people in America who have money. And they weren't lost because they were begging. They weren't lost because they were dressed like that. They were lost because they didn't receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and repent of their sin. And for all we know, there might have been a beggar or two down there that really was saved. We don't know. Lazarus was a beggar and he went to heaven. In the same chapter, the rich man who let Lazarus pick up the crumbs from the table with the dogs under the table had no time for Lazarus. But after he's dead and in hell and wants a drop of water, he said, send Lazarus. He was used to 
making Lazarus a little gopher, gopher, gopher this and gopher that, a little servant slave. But Lazarus was in, was in Abraham's bosom, a picture of heaven itself. He was comforted, and the rich man was tormented. So you're not saved because you wear nice clothes or you have a big bank account. You're not even saved if you put a lot of money in the, in the offering plate. You're saved if you're washed in the blood. That's all. If you don't have a penny, you can get saved. Amen. If you don't have any decent clothes, you can still get saved. Amen. If you don't have enough money to buy soap to wash your body, you can still get saved. You get saved, washed inside. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I want you to know something. If you take God's name in vain, God will not hold you guiltless to take of his name in vain. My Bible says so. All these people going around using God's name and bringing God's name, and some Christians even do that. Don't use these euphemisms either. Just leave God, leave God or these euphemisms out of everything. Amen. If you're talking to God then you, or about God, that's different. But you're not to take his name in vain. Because God says he won't hold you guiltless. Then remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt... Not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. And if God needed to rest, and he never gets tired, then you rest too. And you let your beasts rest. Amen. And you let your your... Workers, don't you have anybody out there building you a shed on Sunday or putting your roof on on Sunday? Amen. Years ago, you'd never see a man out plowing on Sunday, plowing in, his, in, in the fields and running his tractors on Sunday. You'd never see a man out there uh, doing unnecessary things on Sunday, shining his car as God, painting his house. These construction companies, I tell you what, I, we need to get some special signs up. And when they do that, we'll just have a little, on Sunday, that'd be all right to do that. That's not work. We just go by with our signs and, say, and have these verses on it. Amen. Maybe put them out of business or at least make them feel bad so that they'll get saved and feel good. We don't, we don't delight in making people feel bad unless they'll get saved after they feel bad. Amen. Your sin will, it says, be sure your sin will find you out. Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. And thank God for Pennsylvania and all those rocks where they put, prepare to meet thy God. All these different states have these scripture verses. There's a lot of talk about prayer. A whole lot of talk about prayer since those two towers came down. I think that's good. But the thing is, we need to talk more about the one we're praying to. Amen. It's Jesus. Precious Jesus. He died for me. Mohammed never died for me. He was, a, he was a polygamist. He had 14 wives. I wouldn't have any confidence in a man who had 14 wives to begin with. Amen. That kind of reminds me, I think maybe he's a whoremonger. 
Well, come on. So, boy, you're awful plain about your preaching. That's the only thing that gets anything done in people's lives. Some of these preachers, they dance around everything and never say anything. What was it old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. was preaching at a, a school one time, and Dolphus Price heard him preaching. He said, and when he got through, he said, boy, when I get older, I said, I, he was in school at that time. He said, he said I, I want to preach just like Bob Jones Sr. Poor. He said he dethroned uh, Cicero and everyone else, and, and he just, he murdered someone else, and he said, I never heard such preaching in all my life. He said, you knew exactly what he was talking about. A lot of the times these people get up at the church. You know what they do? There's certain people in their church that are sinning. Dolphus Price said this too, so I'll bring it up to you, okay? In, in the same sermon, I think. And he said, what we do is we talk about Abraham and David and, and the sins of this one and that one, and we ought to be speaking about the sins of George and Bill and, hey, and Andrew. <laughs> that would get something done, wouldn't it? People don't know who in the world you're talking about today. And oh, you'd never mention these famous evangelists that are as crooked as the snake either. Well, we do around here. Otherwise, how do you know who we're talking about? Now, we want people to see Jesus. But they better stay away from false prophets or they'll never see him in, in his rightful place. All right, get down here. We're almost through now. Verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother. Here's the reason you ought to honor your father and your mother. Right here in the same verse. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And in another part of the scriptures it says that it may be well with thee. You're supposed to honor your father and your mother. You say, my mother is a, a bad woman. A woman of the street. You're still supposed to honor her. I don't care what she is. Amen? You say, she, my mother's a dopehead. Well, you better, you better honor her anyhow. You don't have to obey her in that fact in regard if she's all doped up. But you, don't you dishonor her. You'll be sorry one day you did that. Don't you dishonor your father. You said my father's nothing but a drunk and a dopehead. I don't care what he is. You better honor him. Even if he makes it difficult for you to honor him, you still better try to honor your father and your mother because there's a blessing there. That it may be well with thee that you might live a long life. Most rebels who rebel against their mom and daddy, they die an early death. I didn't say they all do, but you just check the record. And the norm is they die young. These rebels, they die young. And people that obey their mom and daddy and honor their mom and daddy all their days, even after they're dead, they try to say good things about their mom and daddy. Most of You go to the old folks' home and find these old, old, old people and ask them if they honored their mother and father. And it's a rarity. It's a rarity. If they didn't, the norm is they honored them and said, oh, I about worship my mom and daddy. They were such good people. Thou shalt not kill. That's not talking about war. Amen. That's not talking about the police force either. That's not talking about a civilian who just happens to have his guns. You know, he thinks he's Wild Bill Hickok or something. But he's got his guns there. Okay, don't get scared now. I'm not armed. Probably ought to be in this day and age. Anyhow, uh, but if they see somebody and he starts shooting everybody like at Luby's cafeteria here, 
And see, that, that, that doesn't apply here. What you do with that fellow who just drove through the window and almost killed my wife, she went over to Piccadilly's instead of staying at Luby's, she'd have been right there. She was right there at that time. She just sat down in Piccadilly's to have a little salad, and she heard all the sirens go off. But I'll tell you, if you had a gun and you were in Luby's and this guy comes out of there with two 9mm pistols like he did with plenty of ammo and he shot 40-some people, killed 20-some people, I'll tell you what. If you have a gun, you just delight to blow his eyeballs and his brain and his head right off his shoulder. Amen? And when you see it flying, you say, Glory, I'm a good shot. (laughs) Amen? And you don't go weeping and crying that, that he instantly got put in hell because he was killing other people. So thou shalt not kill does not have reference to the army, for some of you that are in the army. Amen? That doesn't mean that. That means thou shalt do no murder. And it doesn't apply, doesn't apply to, 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 uh, to, to beasts either because I like cow meat real well. I like hamburgers and filet mignons and all that stuff. I don't get much of that. But if you have a cow you don't know what to do with, a steer you don't know what to do with, I've got a couple freezers. I'll buy another freezer to take care of your steer. Amen? So that doesn't have reference to beasts. It has reference to humans. And also means thou shalt do no murder. And also beyond that, thou shalt do no premeditated murder. There were differences there. Differences. You could kill somebody by something accidentally falling off a roof and falling on their head, and you, you didn't know they were down there. You threw something down, and, accident, and they got killed. You don't have to die for that. But if you go take a gun or you give someone poison and kill them, you, you deserve to die. God's Word says so. All right, the next one, thou shalt not commit adultery. Some say that that is the seventh one there, and that is a big one. I'll tell you, it really is, but so is the one before it, thou shalt not kill, amen. Thou shalt not take innocent blood, it says in other parts. But here, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you shouldn't fornicate either before marriage. I've got Bible verses. Whenever you see the list of the sins, fornication is almost invariably always in there, and adultery is in there. Adultery is extramarital, but fornication is premarital. And they're both are sin to God. They're both are sin to God. I said it's a wicked thing to take the purity away from some little precious girl. You deserve to go to hell for doing something like that, especially if he be my daughter. Amen? I'll tell you, the Bible's, the verdict in the Bible is you take him out and stone him to death for raping a girl. Amen? We need to get back to God. Our problem with our courts is our law is weak because we don't go by God's law. And God's law has love in it. God's law has mercy in it. I just told you that if you accidentally kill somebody, you don't die for that. They had the cities of refuge they could go to. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I think, though, that the ramifications, because a man could defile a girl, and then they could be forced into a shotgun marriage. That's in the Bible, too. Mm -hmm. Unless the father disannuls it, if a man just is with a girl, not that he gives her a baby. You know, the implication is back in those days, if they did get together, she probably would know. I mean, read the Bible and get some sense in your head. Amen? They didn't have all these newfangled things we have today. 
to cover up sin. Most of those girls had babies out of wedlock. But if they just caught a boy with a girl together, they made them marry each other. That boy would sure think twice before he's with another girl, wouldn't he? And then when he takes her, he cannot put her away. He can't divorce her all his days. That's what God's Word says. I think that's smart enough some of these, these, these young fellows that like defiling little virgins. Just make them marry them. And then when you marry them, you have to take care of them too. God's losses, you have to provide for them. That'd be good for some of these guys. Come on now. Isn't God's law perfect? God protects little innocent girls from these whoremongers. Amen? By the way, the Lord speaks a lot in his Bible about the purity of little girls and that they're weaker than men. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. They are. They're the weaker vessels. You say, well, prove it. Oh, just go over there to the army. Just go over there. They don't have to do as many push-ups. Sit-ups. Some of these precious little girls, I can't even take a 45 gun. I've got a little hand, too. I wish I had a bigger hand like some of you giants around here. I don't know how well I do with a 45 in my hand, either. But I'll tell you what. They say you've got to have a pretty good grip, don't you, for a 45? That thing will fly right out of my hand, probably. <laughs> but can you imagine these little girls with these real little hands? Such delicate. They say a lot of these these women in the police force, they have to take both hands to hang on to those. Not a 38 special, but anything bigger than that. Okay. Anyhow, the Lord made them. By the way, God says in his word that there are some girls. I just read it this afternoon over in Deuteronomy in the latter part. I just finished Deuteronomy almost. And you know what it says? It says that there are some that are so delicate that they don't even, they're, they're delicate women. You know, it's talking about how they disobeyed God and oh, it's so, it's so gross I don't want to tell you the results because it's, it's so gross of what God will allow to happen. They'll be in such famine. You can kind of imagine how bad it would be if there was a total famine, nothing to eat, nothing to eat, nothing to eat, that even these delicate women who wouldn't hardly put their foot on the, their little foot on the ground without putting it in their slipper or their shoe or their sandal. I don't, you don't even hear that in the Bible about men being delicate. Unless they're perverts. And God burned them up in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what God thinks of those silly willies. Ooh, people make me mad. You know why they make me mad? Because they make God mad. God says that calls that sin an abomination. It's abominable. And you know what that word abominable? Look it up in your Strong's Concordance. It means God detests perversion, homosexuality. He's nauseated. He's so sick of that filth. Mm-hmm. So these people parading in these parades, and they're all, you know, in, in San Francisco and all, parading all their wicked sin. You know what you say? Your God's going to burn you perverts up! So I've never heard anybody doing that out in those parades. Well, we need to get on there where they are, don't we? But just make sure there's a lot of police around to protect us. They may come over and, and spit on you. You might get AIDS from their filth. They don't want to even spit on the ground those people are walking on. I'd like to see them get saved and repent and trust Jesus and go to heaven because they're going to burn forever in hell for their perversion. But see, I was on my way to hell too. I'd never done all that filth and all that junk. Can you imagine glory in that stuff? Can you imagine? Parading it around everybody. 
That stuff used to be hidden when I was in Buffalo, New York as a young boy. Now they come right out and parade their filth. Well, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. I just read in my Bible, and it's in the latter part of Deuteronomy. I won't get into this either. This is pretty gross. But if a man and a woman are fighting, and this woman is there to protect her husband in a fight, there's something she should not uh, do or touch with her hand, otherwise her hand's cut off. But you don't cut someone's hand off because they stole something. The Muslims are wrong there too. I used to think it was so good because we're so weak on our laws, but that law is wrong. Because when you get saved and trust Jesus, you maybe were a thief, but you're not a thief anymore. And you ought to have a hand to serve God with. You shouldn't have your, both your hands chopped off or one hand chopped off or one finger uh, chopped off. Amen. You need that finger to point at sinners if you're preaching. Amen. By the way, we need more porcupine preaching where we get right to the point of things. Not beating around the bush. If you're a sinner, just admit you're a sinner and repent and trust Christ and you go to heaven and be right where we are for all eternity. You say, well, I'm going to go my own way. Then you'll end up in hell. And it won't be very pleasant at all. The flames of hell. I'm tormented in, these, in this flame, it says in Luke 16. I'm so glad I'm saved. But you know what brings you to salvation? The law. This law I'm reading is perfect. It makes everybody guilty. The very first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shouldn't put anything, anybody above God Almighty. We're also prone to do that. All right, we're almost through now. Hang on. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I mean, that, that, that goes for the preacher, too. I was thinking this afternoon as I was thinking about these verses, and there was a preacher that got up in his church and defamed a number of people. And you were there. Were you there in that meeting? Were you there? When Dr. Barron's was defamed, I thought of that verse. Today, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy He broke that commandment, defaming a preacher of the gospel that he led to Christ himself. It was so low, I just couldn't believe a man would do such a wicked thing and claim to be a preacher of the gospel. And then encourage all those other people in his sin. How wicked can people get? How can he preach the love of God? The only way he could preach the love of God right after that, if he got in front of all his people, got on his knees and said, I repent, I'm sorry for what I ever did. I was in the flesh. Please, you all forgive me, and I'll pray God will forgive me. I tell you, pride goes before a fall. That goes for the preacher and everybody else too. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In fact, there's more verses than that. Amen? About what? A bishop. An elder. Mm -hmm. You're not even to accept a false accusation against an elder. It says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And it tells us how to treat the younger women. 
as sisters with all purity. I'm just so surprised that some people don't listen to my preaching by the way they act. I tell you what, you better be careful about having other people in your home. Inviting other people to stay with you, Brother Williams. I mean, you don't. I know. You're a good brother. Amen. Don't you invite other people to stay in your house? Especially if they were having any family problems ever. But don't, don't do that. And you should never, listen, you should never be in a house, young man, with someone else's wife in that house. And nobody else in there. It doesn't look good. Amen? It's not wise. I don't care if she's nine months expecting. It still doesn't look right. Amen? The only reason I'd take a woman like that, and I'd still try to put her in the back seat of the car, is taking her to the hospital. Amen? I'm telling you, you wouldn't see me with this young lady here or any other young girl here or almost any age now. I'm 58. Amen? And she's not sitting next to me. I have enough trouble with my beautiful daughters sitting next to me. Someone could start something up about me being with some young woman. I walk in the store with them. You know, because there are some old timers that marry these young girls. You've got to be careful. People start something up and there's nothing there at all. You've got to be wise, friend. You don't go parking down at the bunny club there to read your Bible. And they see your, the preacher's car there. The only reason my car will ever be, and it was over there one time, and it was out on the street, and we were preaching to that crowd, amen? And the bouncer came out and about knocked my boy Stephen's legs off, and I was up on top of the van preaching to that crowd. Now, that's the only way you end up at the bunny club or any club, because we stay away from that. But I don't pull over there and read my Bible. Some will have something going that I'm in there uh, messing with, with uh, the, the other, uh, you know, someone else, and that I'm drinking alcohol. You've got to be careful. Amen? You just have to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. A pastor friend of mine had to change churches because someone started a false accusation of and there was nothing to it at all. His wife was always with him. But he was parking out in front of this house of this woman who was over in, uh, what, that was Vietnam, I guess. I guess that time, Vietnam. And he was in the Marines, somewhere overseas. Never was there without his wife there. But the car was sitting out there and some lady, some long-tongued lady, she got it going. And it was all over this little town, a little bit bigger than Florence. Boy, you don't want everything all over Florence. You'll have to leave that church. It was a little bigger, about two or three times as big as Florence. That's still pretty small. Not anywhere near as big as Copper's Cove. Okay, you got the picture. And he just had to leave. He was building the church building. And while he was doing that, she was tearing down his testimony, and she came and admitted it and confessed it, and it was still all over town. He left anyhow because he'd never regain his testimony after what she'd done. You heard about the woman who came down to the altar, and she, she said, Preacher, I've got to put my tongue on the altar. I've been uh, gossiping again. He said, lady, the altar's not long enough for your tongue. <laughs> I'll tell you, we better watch it and we men the same way. Be careful. Not to bear false witness against thy neighbor. And the last one is, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, 
nor his manservants, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's, you not to want anything that anyone else has. And America, as soon as someone else gets something else, they want what that person has. That is a sin. You should want what God wants for you and nothing more. You say, well, she got a new dress. I'm telling you, there are people all over the churches of America, and I've met them, and I've had them in my church, and as soon as you get a microwave, they have to get a microwave. As soon as you get a, a new car, they have to get a new car. As soon as you get a new house, they have to get a new house. As soon as you get a, a new bedspread, they have to get a new bedspread. Whoa. That's a sin. You ought to want what God wants for you. And it ought to be an answer to prayer. And so you ought to say, God gave these nice dresses to my children. My little girls. And nice suits to my boys. And, and my wife's dressed nicely because the Lord gave us wisdom and gave us the money to buy it and the strength to make the money. Give God all the praise for it. Well, that's the law. We sure went through very little of it. There's other things in the law like you shouldn't... A, a person's blind. Cursed be he that, dire that, that uh, directs a blind person out of the way. And all the people said, Amen! Cursed be the man that does this. Cursed be the man that has relations with the wrong per party. And they all said, Amen! But if you obey the law of God, then you have the blessing. Blessed be the man. That takes one wife and loves her to death. Amen. And talks nicely to her all the time. Oh, pray for me and I'll pray for you. Amen. Blessed is the, the boy or the girl that always obeys mom and daddy. Amen. Blessed is the wife that always says nice things about her husband. You know, most men, I say this kindly, please don't think I'm defaming women now. I'm not, not at all. I'm just telling you facts. Very few men come up to you and tell you, I've only had three or four in my whole ministry that told me what was wrong with their wife. Because they're so stupid, they picked her. Men have got more sense than that. I'm telling you, I don't think, Pastor Hammonds, I don't think I've had five men in all my ministry. I don't think I've had five men. And I can think of a couple of them now. He's still with his wife, thank the Lord. He didn't work out here either. Oh, anyhow, but anyhow, I don't think I've, I've known of over five men that ran down their wives. But Oh, you don't have, I don't have enough hands and toes to count all the women that said, my husband, he needs to pray, and my husband, he's not a Christian. My husband drinks liquor, and my husband, he, bought, he spends his money all wrong, and everything, I, I, boo, I don't have enough digits to tell all the women that do that. So you be careful. You build up your man. Amen. You picked him too. You didn't have to get married to him. You didn't have to get him. You thank the Lord for your husband. Amen. Say, well, he's, 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 he's not very industrious. Just pray God hit him good. Amen. Get him industrious. He doesn't sit and talk to me. Huh? Men don't do that very often. You just have to bear with it, ladies. Most women who are normal women, they, they say, how many words? Uh, 25,000 words a day, and the men only speak 2,500 words a day. Ten times as much. So that's why he's not talking to you. He's just natural. He's just average. 
But you'll have to put up with that because you want someone to talk to, don't you? Huh? Just pray God will give you grace and help him a little. Open his mouth a little, Lord. I do want, and, and you remind him graciously that he shouldn't be talking to everyone else's wife and not talking to you. And that if he's talking to other men all the time, that he needs to take some time and talk to you. You can say that in a nice way. Amen? But uh, don't, don't hit him over the head and knock him out cold quite yet. Give him a break. Give him a, give him a, week, give him a week or two at least. Well, amen. Oh, I have a little thing in my house, and I'm, I'm closing now. You say you've been closing for the last 15, 20, 30 minutes here. But great people talk about ideas. And I, that doesn't make me great what I'm saying. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. But average people talk about things, and small people talk about other people. Great people talk about ideas. And so we ought to be talking about how to reach these college students at these, at these colleges for Christ. We went down there, didn't we, with our things, and weren't they a mixed-up bunch? Because their teachers are all messed up, teaching them the wrong thing. And so shouldn't we at least desire to go down there and give them Bible, some you know, Bible times and some evangelistic uh, meetings on their campuses all over here? When you think of State College down there, 50,000 students, it's the largest in all America, is the uh, University of Texas at Austin. It's huge. You got to drive through the thing. It's just mammoth. Over 50,000 students. Now, that's an idea. How can we reach souls for Christ? Are you with me? But don't be talking about your neighbor next door. Just ask the Lord to help you to win him to Christ or be a help to him. Don't spend all your time talking about people. Amen? Now, you can pray for Patty. She's always needed prayer. But she really needs prayer now. going to have triplets. And she's got to stay well, and she's been sick almost all her life, and she's got to stay well enough to take care of these triplets. And pray for poor Brandon. He doesn't know what to... He thought twins was big enough. He finds out a week later or two weeks later, and lo and behold, he's going to have triplets. Poor Brandon. And don't we all love Brandon? Isn't he the greatest guy? I'm telling you. Listen, I told him everything wrong with Patty, and he still wanted her, so he's got her. <laughs> I did that with all my kids, so I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't showing respect to persons with any of them. <laughs> then later you can say, I told you so. <laughs> you made your bed lie in it, boy! Amen? So you say, well, I would tell him all the good things about my daughter and let him find out all the bad on his own? Come on, give the guy a break. How would you want it? Oh, anyhow. Pray for her, though. Pray for these different ones. I mean, pray for people, but don't talk about other people. That doesn't help anybody. All right? And then if you're not saved tonight, we trust you'll be saved. Because there's a big, belching, burning hell waiting for every lost sinner. And we don't have to go. Jesus paid the price. And he loves us and he wants to save us. Listen, the Lord does not intend to want to take you and bind you hand and foot and hurl you into a lake of fire, a place of bondage for all eternity when he came and shed his blood at Calvary to save you. He came to seek 
and to save that which was lost, and that was us. We were all lost until the Lord found us. We were all dirty till He cleaned us up. Amen? We were all guilty before He acquitted us. And that's just grace. I'm saved by grace. Praise God. Kept by grace. Pickled in grace. I'm in grace. I'm in Christ. And that's all His goodness. It's the gift of God's salvation. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank Thee for Thy grace. Speak to our hearts, our Father. There's one here lost and still don't know they're saved. Lord, we were there one day. And dear Lord, we thank Thee that Thou didst love us. You loved us, Lord. You saw beyond what others saw. And you saw our need. You saw our great dilemma. Our great problem with sin. And Lord, you died to save us. And so, Lord, you offered us the gift. And we're so glad we, re we reached out and just received this wonderful salvation by the gift of God. Not of works. As it tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I'm so glad that I took, their God, that promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad I came through the door, and Jesus is the door. He's the way to heaven. He's the way to peace. He's the way to forgiveness. He's the way to mercy. He's the way to the gift of God. He's the way to salvation. He's the way to peace and happiness. He's the way to escape the flames of hell and eternal damnation. He's the way. He's the door. And so, dear Lord, we pray that some might trust Thee tonight.